What a week it's been for Major League Soccer. Two out of three teams advancing to the next round in CONCACAF play. This is the SBI Podcast. I am Garrett Cleverly in Jersey. Is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? Doing pretty well, man. It's a pretty good week uh, overall, considering last week was kind of scary with all the national team injuries. But this week uh, on the American soccer scene has been a pretty good week. That's why you just got to love soccer. I mean, you can have one week where it's, oh, my gosh, everything's going to hell. Then, boom, we come back. Two out of three teams advance, and it's good vibes all over again. Absolutely. it's uh, The sky is not falling, but of course that could change in a week uh, after the national team plays. <laughs> Especially with American soccer, Ivis. Yes, it's up and down. It's a big roller coaster. <laughs> well, Ivis, let's, I mean, let's talk about these games. Seattle Sounders coming back with three goals in the second half. How, that game was, uh, it was just amazing. Well, I'll tell you, you know, Tigris, as we talked about last week, you mm-hmm. know, Tigris is the top team in Mexico. I really thought that Seattle was going to have a tough time dealing with them but then tigris goes and sends a b team they they, they decided to rest their st- uh, several of their, most of their starters and send a b team up to seattle and uh as if that wasn't bad enough then they have a player sent off halfway through the game which set uh, everything up perfectly for the sounders mm-hmm. to rally in the second half and uh you know as much as people might want to discredit the victory because of the fact it was a B team and because of the fact of the red card, you know what? At the end of the day, none of that matters. No one's going to care about that stuff years down the road. Exactly. Seattle Dude, in a year they, from made, now, no one's made some care. history there. No one's going to care in a year from now. No one's going to go back and say, oh, well, they sent their second team. People are going to go, hey, Seattle won in advance, and that's the way they're going to look at it. Right. And, I mean, and you know, at the end of the day, Tigris, it was their B team, but it was still a pretty – there was still some talent on that team. It was, I mean, they you know, did I, score I think, an opening think, goal. What's that? They did score the opening goal. So, I mean, it's not like it was just some pushover team that went up there. I mean, they, 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 they did right. look pretty good. It wasn't a youth team. Yeah. It was a reserve team for the top team in Mexico. If you put that team in the Mexican League, it wouldn't be the worst team in the Mexican League. So, you know, you got to give Seattle some credit. They still had to put the game put the game away. They had to get score the goals. And, you know, they didn't start well. I tell you, Eddie Johnson was struggling. The Seattle was struggling. And, and, and then, obviously, they, they got life in the second half. And those two amazing goals that, uh, you know, when you talk about DeAndre Yedlin and especially Jimmy Traore's goal, which is probably going to be the best goal that any MLS player scores this year. I mean, those guys turn it around. And then Eddie Johnson, who, who oh, hadn't yeah. been having the best uh, start to 2013, steps up, scores a clutch goal, a absolutely vital goal at the end to, to clinch the series. I mean, you got to feel good. If you're Eddie Johnson heading towards World Cup qualifying. Well, Eddie Johnson had two, like you said earlier, two great opportunities in the first half. I mean, the one he shot to the left of the goal, and then he had the other one that went across the face of goal that, I mean, you kind of hope that it took just a nasty curve into the goal, but they both missed. I mean, his finish was just, it was sweet. And that's what the U.S. men's national team, Ivis, is going to need going forward. And you know what? Seattle's going to need it, too. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, I'll tell you, if you're a Seattle fan right now, you have to be buzzing because oh, yeah. not only not only did you make history and become the first team in, in uh, I think it was 13 tries, to first MLS team to knock off a Mexican team mm-hmm. in knockout play, but they also got the news of Oba Femi Martins that he's going to sign with the Sounders, even though it's not officially announced yet. Mm-hmm. Oba Femi Martins came out on Twitter and pretty much said it's done. He's on his way. And, and I'll tell you what, when Seattle gets to the semifinals of the Champions League, if they have Obafemi Martins in the lineup, anything is possible. No, you're exactly right. And when you talk about anything's possible, Ivis, let's look at DeAndre Yedlin. I mean, I'm hearing that you are telling me that people are saying he should be playing for the senior men's national team? Listen, there are, <laughs> there are a few people who are a little excited because we have, we have this exciting young fullback prospect. He's a great talent, but people need to pump the brakes on it. He's only He only has had a few pro games so far. He's a great prospect. He definitely has, has opened eyes on the fact that he mm-hmm. should have been on the under-20 national team, and he should be on that team this summer. But people need to remember he's a teenager. He's just starting his pro career. Pump the brakes, folks. We've had enough of those experiences in the past, overhyping young players. Let the, let the kid develop. That's what I'm saying. He needs some time. He doesn't need two games. I mean, let's wait a couple months and see how he develops. I mean, sometimes things work out for a player. And, I mean, that goal also went in off a deflection. And earlier, I mean, he had a welcome to the professional league's moment when Acosta just kind of pushed him off the ball, and that's how Tigres scored. So, I mean, he still has things to learn and to work on. No, without without a doubt. I mean, when you're you're talking about a young player who had two college seasons at Akron, Mm -hmm. obviously a great program there. And and you, you have to give him credit because, I mean, 
as much as as much as people in the know were fully aware that he was a top prospect, the fact that he's been able to kind of just land on his feet, jump right in, mm-hmm. and play important games that that's impressive. Uh, but at the same time, you want to you want to take it easy with him. He's going to have his his ups and downs, but the talent is obviously there. And and you know, and hopefully we can get him on the show pretty soon uh, because you know anyone that that's had a chance to listen to him, I mean, he's he's a bright kid, smart kid, and and, and the sky's the limit. But again, people need to slow it down a little. Let him have his chance to grow. I mean, I mean, I hope we get him on. Like I said, I, I watched him last year because he played for the Seattle Sounders U23 PDL, and they played one of the teams from Arizona, and he looked, he's just so fast. I, I would love to see just how fast he is in person. I was, let's move on. There were three games. The second game we're going to talk about, the Houston Dynamo losing to Santos Laguna, 3-0 Dynamo, are eliminated. I thought the Dynamo had a little bit better chance going in. Shows what I know about soccer. But you were the one that pretty much said that this was the hardest game for any of the MOS teams. Without a doubt. You know, I think people, you would think that by now people would, would, would look at the history and the track record and, and understand how tough it is to go down to Torian, Torion and get a result. I mean, it's a big field. They're, they're a fast, talented team. They just put so much pressure on you uh, mm-hmm. that it's, it, just, it just smothers teams. And you know, I, you got to give Houston credit. They have a tough defense. They, you know, they 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 tried to keep it close, but you know, they they pretty much got forced into some uncharacteristic blunders. Mm-hmm. And and Santos Laguna completely took advantage. And you got to credit Hercules Gomez, who was on our show last week. He 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 forced one of those key turnovers and scored scored a goal uh, that kind of turned the tide in that game. And and I tell you what, what? I, I, for me, looking at the way things have shaken out, Santos Laguna looks like the favorite in, in my mind to, wait, to wait, win wait, the wait. whole thing. Wait wait wait. Think about that. We had Hercules Gomez on, and he scored. And then we had Josie Altidore on a couple weeks ago, and he scored. Are, I mean, are we are we starting something here, Ivis? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm just well, saying. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. You I'm know what? Uh, you're you're on to something. I think any any player who's listening, if you want to score a goal, come on our show, and you will score a goal. This is perhaps the first positive thing I've ever contributed to the show. <laughs> Nice. I don't know if every I don't know if every guest has scored. I don't know if Will Bruin has has had a goal. No, I don't since. think he's either. I don't. I don't think <laughs> yeah, he's. So I mean, we're, we're not. A, we're not. A, we're not batting a thousand. Who cares? We can start it right now. We'll start it right now. <laughs> hey, Brett. Yeah, Brett, I don't think Brett Shea scored one either. No. Oh, no. you know what? Hey, we had Eddie Johnson on, and he has scored a goal. See, so see, there you go. See, exactly. All right, but I was, you know, when when you talk about this game, and, and you look at Houston, like you said, uh, a lot of just mental mistakes is kind of what killed them. On their back end, I mean, they had a couple chances to score, but nothing too threatening. I mean, maybe they could have scored there, but it was just kind of an uh, unfortunate night for Houston. Right. I, I think at the end of the day, they just Santos put so much pressure on their defense that mm-hmm. that the Dynamo just couldn't really can put it, couldn't really put anything forward, uh, you know, and sustain any anything. I mean, you got to credit Santos Laguna; they pressure the ball well, they hit you on the counter so well that that if you're the Dynamo, you really have to stay. Uh, honest defensively, and uh, they just couldn't really throw numbers forward. Obviously, later in the game, they started to really throw numbers uh, forward, and, and they they you know they had a few chances here and there. But at the end of the day, Santos was just the better team. And I think for the Houston Dynamo, when they go back and they watch the tape and they talk about this game, it's all things that they know that they can work better on. It's things that they know that they can improve on as well. Right. I mean, there's it's clearly. I mean, you know, the the goal that, that Gomez scored was clearly a miscommunication between Tally Hall and Bobby Boswell, and, and Tally Hall came out after the game and pretty much took the accepted the blame and said that he called off Boswell and which opened the door for Gomez to score. But you know, you can't let things like that happen. And the thing is, I mean, when you talk about Tally Hall, I mean. Tally Hall has been one of the most consistent yeah. goalkeepers in in MLS for the last two years. So, you, you, you the thing that we remember, and this is this is something that again, MLS teams have to deal with, is, you know, the Dynamo have played one game in their in their season, in their MLS season, mm-hmm. and they played the first leg of this Champions League. That's two games, official games this year. Santos Laguna has, you know, a dozen games under their under their belt. So, they, I mean, they're going to be a sharper team, and obviously that doesn't, you know, they didn't play out in Seattle in the Seattle series, but again, they didn't play the team's first team. But that's something that MLS teams have to cope with, mm-hmm. is the fact that they are not as match sharp as the, the Mexican teams are and it's unfortunate but that's just how the schedule plays out uh, but at the same time I think the gap is closing but I think that's always going to kind of be an issue when you get to this these rounds uh, of the tournament because these rounds are always played in March and if anything you know MLS teams are lucky in the sense that the season is starting earlier and earlier March 2nd this year the earliest it's mm-hmm. ever begun so that's helping MLS teams also the now scheduling the next- too 
Right, because, I mean, it, it, in years past, teams got to the quarters. They had no games yet. So at least now, you know, the Dynamo had one game under their belt. Um, Seattle and, and L.A. were in the same boat. They both had games under their belt. So that helps. But when you talk about a team like Santos Laguna, as good as they are, you know, it's tough enough to beat them when everything's equal. But when you're talking about them being in midseason form, it just makes it that much tougher. No, you're, you're I mean, you're exactly right. But, you know, it's like you said, the gap's closing. Teams are playing better. And I was when you look at the last game here, this is the game that you were pretty much said that was going to be the easiest game out of all three. Galaxy came out and won four to one, defeating Costa Rican side Herediano and Ivis Galaxy are I mean, they're just they're just playing great soccer right now. Or great uh, great that, football, excuse me. Oh, you're going to go with football now. OK, yes. well, listen, uh, you know what? L.A. is a good team. I mean, I know Beckham's gone and Landon Donovan is not around, but they have some really good young talent coming up. And, and you know what? To be fair, Herediano, I, I just didn't see much out of them. I mean, obviously, they made things tough in the first leg. It was 0-0 and they made things tough in the first half of this game of the second leg. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, I, I don't know. I just didn't see much from them. Uh, you know, the Galaxy were clearly the better team. They could have had four or five goals in the first half oh, yeah. uh, if they had finished a little better. But it, it's a great confidence booster for them. Uh, and especially when you look at the young players. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, our, our guest for this show, Jose Villarreal, had a great goal. And another teenager, Jack McBean, had a goal. So, you know, they, they, you have to give credit to Bruce Arena. He, he's, he's given these young guys an opportunity in the Champions League to play in, game, in in meaningful games and and they've and they've and they're going to grow from that uh but now I tell you what things are going about to get a whole lot tougher they're playing Monterey the, the two-time defending Champions League uh title holders now to you know to be fair Monterey is not having the greatest year in the Mexican league but they are still Monterey they're still the defending well, couple, champions trophies like i mean tournaments like this are vastly different too cuz players know that you know, they, they, the writing's on the wall. It's not a full season. You know, they win this leg, they win that leg, they move on to the next round. So there's a lot more, you know, quick, quick incentive in, in these smaller games, I guess is the best way to put it. Well, I, I just think, you know, sometimes seasons just – a regular season does, does, might not go your way, whether it's injuries yeah. or unfortunate results. But, you know, a team like Montreal, a veteran team like that, uh, with, with, with a, a great coach, you know, they're going to take this tournament seriously. They've done it for years now. And that is an absolutely great matchup when you talk about L.A. versus Monterey. They're going to uh, the semifinals in April. You figure Landon Donovan will be back. And it's, it's a great matchup. And it, it's a great opportunity for, for whether it's the Galaxy or Seattle for one of those teams or possibly both to make it to the final. Well, you also got to love the way the Galaxy are playing right now. I mean, they're scoring on all, all, all different things. I mean, they're scoring off set piece. Omar Gonzalez got the header on that set piece. Holoria, I mean, excuse me, Jose Villarreal took on the uh, Herendiano by himself with that spin scored. And then when you look at Robbie Keane's goal, we might not, we might overlook this because there were so many great goals this weekend, but that pass by Michael Stevens, that was an amazing pass. And then Jack McBean had that finesse shot to the outside. I mean, so the Galaxy, I mean, they're scoring goals. In, all four of those goals were in different ways. Right. I mean, they, they're, they're, just, they're just playing really well now. And yeah. it's funny when you think about it. A year ago at this time, mm-hmm. the Galaxy were just awful. They got knocked out of the Champions League by Toronto FC. They started the season terribly, uh, but it's different. It's a different vibe this year. I think maybe they learned a lesson from last year from that hangover, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously things are different now. You have Omar Gonzalez there from the beginning of the season. Mike McGee is really playing at a high level, carrying over from last year, and then you have this generation, this next generation that's uh, playing well, uh, talking about Villarreal, who's going to be a big player for L.A. this year. As young as he is, you know, he's obviously shown with the U-20s, he was the star in the U20s in their tournament that they just qualified for the Under-20 World Cup. And now in this game, he shows you what he has. And, and, and he's going to be just a fun player to watch uh, playing alongside Robbie Keane this year. Well, Ivis, let's keep talking about Jose Villarreal. We have him on the line right now. Jose, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing excellent. Congratulations on the goal. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, you've had a very busy last couple of weeks. Have you had a moment to kind of sit back and, and take a deep breath and soak it all in? Uh, you know, I tried, you know, coming back from Mexico, I had a, a couple of days off since the team was down in uh, Costa Rica, but, you know, I was just happy to be back and uh, get back in the rhythm with the Galaxy. Uh, Jose, talk about the, the Champions uh, Champions League, obviously, you, had, you guys had the big win uh, on Wednesday, and you got the start in, in that game. Uh, just, just talk about that experience of, of playing in a game that that, that important and, and just having Bruce Arena kind of show that confidence in you. Oh yeah, I mean I, I appreciate what uh Bruce, you know, showed me the confidence to 
to step up and and, and uh, to show them what I got, you know. And uh, it was a heck of an experience, you know, playing um, playing an important match against a, a good team like Herediano. And um, you know, I'm happy with the result we got as a team, and uh, we're going forward and moving on towards uh, Monterey. Now you knew, uh, you know, David Beckham obviously left. Uh, after last season, that there was going to kind of be a void, and there's the opportunity for some more minutes. I mean, do you do you head into this season, this MLS season, feeling like this could be a big year for you in the league? No, yeah. I mean, we. I I always thought about it like if I keep working hard, obviously, uh, I'm gonna get to where I want to be, and and where I want to be is is, is is in the starting eleven. So, you know, I'm happy with the way uh, things are going right now, and. Obviously, I got a, a good mentor like Robbie Keane telling me to just keep going and giving me tips, and that's just helping me. You know, Jose, when you mentioned Robbie Keane as a mentor, what has he taught you so far? You know, uh, a, a lot a lot of things, you know, on the field and off the field, you know, in the locker room, he's always giving me tips, you know, during halftime. He gave me a couple of tips just to be more aggressive, and, and I keep keep running and pressuring the, the center backs, and, uh, you know, I learned a lot of cheeky stuff from him, like making some good uh, runs behind the backs, and... Uh, you know, just being a smarter player on the ball. Now, Jose, when you when you uh, joined the Galaxy, obviously it wasn't too long ago. It was last July you officially, or last summer you officially joined the team. Uh, the, you had some other opportunities that you, you didn't necessarily have to sign with the Galaxy. What ultimately, what kind of made the decision for you to what, what made you want to join LA, and and, and what made, what about MLS and the Galaxy made you kind of believe that th- that that was a good step for your career? You know, I. I uh... I, I, you know, I've been asked that a lot in the in the past, and you know, I, Galaxy is just. I, I think it, it was a good step for me, you know, coming down, uh, coming up from the academy, you know, it was, it was a good step, you know, playing and then playing some games with the reserves and always helped me. But I mean, LA is, you know, it's my hometown, and you know, I got my family close to me, I can help them out, and you know, just being in front of the home crowd, you know, it's always it's always fun, you know, to hear, you know, the fans saying Englewood or something like that, and it's just it's just a lot of fun out there. So, so Jose, uh, tell me about the the U twenty tournament you guys just had. Obviously, it started off a little slow, but then you guys hit a really good stride, really good rhythm, and obviously in the final, you, you played Mexico right to the end. Uh, really great game for you guys, even though you fell short. Yeah, talk about that, just that experience as a whole, and and uh, and that group of guys that you played with. I mean, how much fun was it playing with with, with Cuevas and, and Mario and, and and Benji Hoy and those guys? Oh yeah, it was it was a great experience. You know. Uh, since uh, other cycle before us didn't qualify for the World Cup, so you know we had a we had a we had some pressure on our shoulders. But like you said, you know we had a, a good group of guys, and uh, you know uh, Benji and Mario and, and Cuevas and Luis and all these other players. You know they're all very talented players in their teams, and and they showed that they you know they can they can prove themselves too in the international level. So you know we had a, we had a lot of fun. You know we we started off slow, like you said, but. You know, after that, after the Haiti game, we just kind of picked it up, and I think we showed everyone that you know we we got what it takes. You mentioned uh, having some pressure coming into the tournament. Yeah, how much did you guys think about that? The fact that you know, obviously, last year with Olympic qualifying, and before that, the U twenties didn't qualify. I mean, was that kind of on your mind as a group? Maybe. I mean, did you think you think maybe that's kind of why you guys started slow in that first game? No. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of had it in our heads that you know that. A little thing, just you know, just telling us, you know, we have to qualify, and then, you know, that, that's probably not the reason why we 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 started off slow, but, you know, uh, I don't know. It was just like, uh, I think that was just like a more motivation for us to to prove everyone wrong, and you know, just to to show everyone that this, you know, this this group of guys can can do it. Now, now, I don't know, I'm sure you've noticed the last few weeks now. Obviously, on your own team, you got Jack McBean, uh, who did well, scored a goal the other day, uh, and then you had DeAndre Yedlin in Seattle, another another teenage player, you know, stepping up. Uh, what do you think about just being part of that this kind of generation coming up? That you know, it seems like it's a pretty strong group of of young players coming into the league. No, yeah, I mean it's it's good that the you know we're we're all getting pretty. Pretty good opportunities, you know. Like you said, with Jack and and other players in MLS getting getting uh getting more minutes, and you know we got a we're a good group of guys, you know, good uh, talented players, young talented players coming through the academy, and uh, you know we got what it takes, you know we got what it takes, and uh, I'm just happy with with uh, with the way the MLS is working with the homegrown talent, and it, I just hopefully it keeps going.
Well, Jose, you were part of the academy scene. Same with DeAndre Edlin and Jack McBean. You played for the Galaxy last year in their academy. What did you learn? What, what was, you know, when you look back on the experience at the academy, how beneficial was that for you as a player? No, yeah, I mean, uh, just to be with the guys, you know, being uh, being one of the biggest franchise uh, franchises in the, in the MLS, you know, uh, just being around more professional environment than, and than other academies. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I I got to learn a lot about, you know, being more professional off the field and on the field. And, you know, the the the, the soccer was great, you know. I got to learn a lot from my coaches. And, uh, you know, we had a, a, good, a, good, a good, talented group. And, uh we just had a lot of fun. No, Jose, getting back to that to the U20s and and just obviously that final w- was such a great game. You know, it was a tough result at the end. But talk about that rivalry. I, I'm sure you've, you've you've heard about it. You've followed it uh, growing up. The USA Mexico rivalry. What was it like to kind of be a, to experience that and be a part of that? And and with your background, I mean, was it ever a, a, an option or a thought to to play for anyone but the US? Uh, I mean, uh, like, uh, I mean, my parents are Mexican, so, I mean, I got that double nationality, so, I mean, you know, right now I'm happy with playing with the U.S., and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to, to defend the shield, and, uh, I want to keep, I want to keep playing, you know, on the first team with the, with the, I want to make it up there with the first team and with the U.S., and, you know, it was just a great experience, you know, uh, it was like 50,000 fans at the game, so it was, it was a lot of fun. I got to experience that. You know, not not many players can say that, and it was just, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience. Is that something that maybe you and all the players that were on the U twenty team talk about? How maybe in a few years, you know, you guys can all be together, still playing for the senior team? No, yeah, I mean, Tab Tab told us, you know, you know, this is the next step after U twenties. You know, maybe maybe not the Olympics. Maybe this is the next step to going towards towards the uh, the big team. So uh, I mean. Yeah, we all kind of talked about it, you know. We all kind of joke around, but I mean, at the same time, you know, it's what we all we all have to aspire for to make it up there with the big team. So, you know, we kind of you kind of tell each other that, you know, we if we really try hard, you know, we can make it. You know, you mentioned Tab. Uh, what was he? What, what's he like as a coach? Obviously, as a player, you know, he, he's, he was one of the all-time greats for the U.S. national team. What's he? What's he like as a coach? And, and it seems like he's he's definitely had you guys attack it, kind of in the mold of him as a player. What, what's he been like to to play for? No, he's a, he's a, he's a great coach. You know, uh, we all we all know what he did as a player and uh, as a coach. You know, he's 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 very. Uh, very free, you know. We can we can tell him what we feel and or what we you know what we see on the field, and you know he's very uh he's very coachable too. So I mean it's awesome, you know. He has a good style of playing, and you know since we you know he picked the the right guys for this for the qualifiers. So you know, I'm very happy with him. Along those lines, when you talk about coaches, you've been pretty lucky. Uh, you obviously get played for Bruce Arena in L.A. Uh, who's you know arguably the best coach probably in the history of, of MLS? Uh, what 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 is it that makes him such a such a, a successful coach? He, he's obviously done really well with young players through his career. What what is it that what do you think that just kind of makes it work for him? Um, I mean, it's a lot of things. You know, he's he's obviously very experienced. You know, he was he coached that uh, with the national team, so you know he had a lot of success there. And uh, you know, he just has that you know different mentality from other coaches. You know, he gives. He he knows how to develop a young player, and uh, you know I'm happy I got the chance to you know to 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 be uh to be part of part of his uh, group, and uh, you know I want to I want to keep going with him. You know he's a, he's a great coach, and uh, I think I'll go far with him. Now now with these last few weeks you've had, obviously you, your name is out there quite a bit. You got a lot of fans excited, U.S. fans, Galaxy fans excited. Uh, as you know, through the years, you know some young, uh, top young American players have have faced that kind of pressure at an early age. Uh, it, who's kind of helping you deal with that, and kind of helping you keep your feet on the ground? Who, who who's there to kind of make sure that none of this stuff kind of gets to you or get you know becomes too much for you? You know, uh, uh, first off, it would probably be my parents. You know, just being uh, raised that way. You know, stay humble and uh, you know, you know, remember where you came from and and. It had to be, you know, coming from my agents and my coach to my teammates. You know, they all tell me, you know, you know, don't don't let this get to you. And uh, you know, there'll be more if you keep playing good. So you just gotta stay focused in, in what you're doing and, and stay humble. And then that's the way that's the way I've been doing, and, and that's the way I keep doing it. So, so this year, obviously, this is going to be a big year. You have the U20 World Cup. 
uh, and then potentially a bigger role for you with the Galaxy. What have you thought about what this year could be, and what 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 would make this year perfect for you? Like, what, what what's kind of on your list of things to make this year what you want it to be? No, just just getting in rhythm with with the Galaxy. You know, uh, getting in the in the rotation and the starting eleven, and and uh, just being having good performance with the team, and obviously in the World Cup, having a, a very good World Cup as a team and as an individual. You know. Performing well and uh, you know scoring goals is, is is very important for me and uh, you know that would, that would probably make make the year very perfect. Oh, just one more for me. I, I, some people have asked. You know, you play a variety of positions. It seems like you you can play anywhere in the attack. What what player is there? A player that you've modeled your game after, or someone that you kind of looked up to as a player growing up that you kind of maybe looked at and and took stuff from their game and 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 made it part of your game. You know, I I mean, I grew up watching uh, a lot of soccer. You know, my my whole family, you know, is very, very passionate about soccer. So, I mean, I grew up watching Mexican soccer, Spanish league, uh, Premier League. So, I mean, the the player that I would say it would probably be Sidan. Uh, you know, he's probably my favorite player of all time. You know, just just watching him, it was just make. I mean, he makes it look so easy. So. You know, watching the steps, but I mean now, you know, Messi, he's the best player in the world. So I mean, and uh, I'll probably have to say Iniesta too. So those three players are kind of like what I envision. Uh, what I, I mean, what I want to be like, you know, play like them, but obviously have my own, have my own thing too. So you know, I'll probably have to say those three. Well, Jose, thank you so much for joining us today, man. We appreciate it. Everyone can follow Jose on Twitter at j underscore villa. Jose, good luck with the rest of the season. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Ivis, you you gotta love Jose for Villarreal. I mean, great speaker for a kid his age. Oh, absolutely, so well spoken. I mean, unlike you, who can't seem to say his name right, he is just Jose Villarreal. (laughs) I just said it right there, Jose Villarreal. I just said it correctly. Villa. Oh my God, Ivis, what do you want from me? Okay. (laughs) I grew up on a cul-de-sac in a white neighborhood. I mean, come on, dude. You know what? That's fair. Fair point. Thank you. Uh, but I tell you what, he—I mean, he's a it, on the field. The kid's a great talent. Uh, he—he is, and he's an exciting attacking player. You know, young, exciting young attacking American players are such a rarity that as soon as they show up, as soon as they hit the scene, everyone falls in love. And I tell you what, people are have already fallen in love with Villarreal. After the U twenty uh, qualifying tournament, he just had some of the great plays he made in that tournament. And now he he comes he comes into the Champions League and scores you know a sick you know spin move goal. I mean the kid has all the talent in the world and and you know as we talked about with him you know you really hope that you know he can keep his head on the ground uh, you know, keep his feet on the ground keep his you know head straight and he he's obviously a mature kid for his age and uh, he's in the perfect environment mm-hmm. to to groom him and so that he doesn't kind of get led astray. He's playing for a team like the Galaxy and a coach like Bruce Arena. They're going to keep him in line. They're going to. They're going to. They're not going to let things get to his head. Not that I think that's going to be a problem with him. But obviously, when you have Robbie Keane as as a mentor, mm. Bruce Arena as a coach, you have to love the environment that he's in. Ivis, you're exactly right on that. All right, let's talk about another international tournament. Tijuana. They are in the Copa Libertadores. That's pretty good, right there. Nice. That only took three tries, but it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, I, funny story. When I, when I worked in the Bahamas as a wakeboard instructor, yeah, don't ask me why I gave that up. Um, my Spanish was so bad, they wouldn't give me a Spanish-speaking sticker on my name tag. I only had the American flag. They wouldn't even give me the Spanish. It was so embarrassing. Oh, man. I, th- I think Rosetta Stone. I don't, know if, I don't even know if Rosetta Stone could help you, honestly. I- all I know is the bad words. When I play pickup soccer at the park, that's all I need to know is the bad words. But moving on, though, Ivis, we don't need to, know, we don't need to go into what bad words I know. Tijuana, they suffered their first loss. It's brought them down to earth a little bit. Right. You know what? Going to, going to uh, Sao Paulo mm-hmm. and facing the defending world champions on the road, it, it was always going to be a tough task, you know. And, and, and you know, they, they kind of got brought down to earth. But at the same time, you know, when you look at that game, and for anyone who was, was able to see it, I mean, they, they, they were right there toe-to-toe mm-hmm. with Corinthians in the first half. And, you know, I think if anything, you know, they missed, I feel like they missed Edgar Castillo and they missed his his attacking presence coming from that left back position. Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of telling that Corinthians was, was continuously attacking their right flank, uh, which is where Castillo would have been. And, and since Tijuana didn't have that attacking threat going forward, 
it didn't force Corinthians to be honest on that side, and they just took it to Tijuana. They ran up to score three nil, but at the end of the day, Tijuana still they they still have their own uh, their own fate in their hands. Mm-hmm. They still have nine points from four matches, and and they really are in good in good shape there. They, they you know they're going to still play Millonarios, the Colombian champions, and at home. That's a big one for them. If they win that one, that that's pretty much locks it up for them. Uh, and they also have a trip to, I believe, Bolivia still to go. So, but I mean, they're still in good shape. But I think, if, you know, for a, a, anyone who was caught up in the Club Tijuana uh, dream of, of this unbelievable unbeaten run, uh, uh, you know, they were brought down to earth a little bit. But again, great experience for Joe Corona, U.S. national team midfielder, uh, you know, to go there and face those guys, play two games against against one of the t- you know top teams in the world. Uh, that that's only going to help someone like him get better. Well, you're exactly right, and I and I think going into this group stage, if if someone said that you know you're going to start off three and zero and you're going to split with Corinthians, I, I mean they had to be very happy with the way they've played so far. Just when you look at this group stage, because their next game they're going to be taking on San Jose, and they beat San Jose. That was in Tijuana four to zero, but. You know, Tijuana, though, you know, even though it brought them down to earth a little bit, Ivis, they still had to be happy with the way they've played so far. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the first half of this recent game, that recent loss, they they, they took it to Corinthians. I mean, they, they, you know, they didn't outplay them, but they weren't afraid of them. And you could see that. You could see that they were willing to attack. And, and, and I think, you know, most teams that go to Sao Paulo and play Corinthians, they're, they're going to sit in a shell. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to struggle. And I, I think... You know, Tijuana's just not that way. Tijuana wants to attack. They want to go at you, throw numbers forward. Uh, Duvier Ascos is, is is such an attack, such a great uh, threat up top. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's still Corinthians is good. They're the champs for a reason. They're the world champions for a reason, and we saw why the uh, the other day. Well, I was speaking of Tijuana and Edgar Castillo and Joe Corona, the internationals that they do have. It uh, seems like we don't need to hit the panic button too much on the U.S. men's national team like we were doing last week. Jurgen Klinsmann talked, and he had some very positive things to say, Ivis. Right. It, 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 was, it was pretty good timing by Jurgen <laughs> Klinsmann to uh, go on Twitter yeah. and, and uh, do a Twitter takeover with the U.S. soccer account. And he, he took the opportunity to, to kind of does ease he, some of the fears of, of American fans, U.S. national team fans. Does he tweet? Like, is he the one doing he, it, or does someone do it for him? Well, I, you know, I don't know if he's the one typing the stuff in. I wouldn't bet on that. But he he is a social media maven. You got to give it to him. The guy has maven, a podcast. Don't call him maven. He has his own Twitter account. I mean, the guy is all. I mean, I tell you what, I can't. I don't know if there can't be a national team manager in the world that is as social media savvy as he is. And give give him credit. He went on Twitter and he he let he let the U.S. fans know that Clint Dempsey was back in training with Tottenham. And that Fabian Johnson was back training and should be fine for the qualifiers. And the fact that, you know, hopefully that that is the case. But the fact that Clint Dempsey and Fabian Johnson should be back for the qualifiers is a big, you know, he got a a big sigh of relief there because, you know, Clint Dempsey's just not, he's just irreplaceable right now on the U.S. team. And and obviously Fabian Johnson, the last game aside, is a pretty good left back and and it's a big drop off after he, uh, he get after him. Well, Ivis, these games coming up, I mean, I hate to say that this Costa Rica game is a must-win, but, I mean, if they draw against Costa Rica and go into Mexico, it's, it's, it's going to be very scary just to, to think about the possibilities of what could happen. Well, you know what? I, it, it is a big game. I mean, it is. All, they all have your home win. games are important. All the home games are important because, you know, it, throughout throughout the history of, of, of the Hex, uh, you know, home defending home, taking all your points at home, that gets you through. Um, you know, if you can pick up a few points on the road here and there, that's all well and good. But mm-hmm. if you lose big points at home, that that's your best bet to get eliminated. So obviously, it's it's a big game for them. But you know, is it a do or die must win? It, I, I don't know if I go that far, but it t- I tell you what, if they lose or draw that game, that pretty much eliminates most of their room for error. And then you're talking about having to go on a run, uh, not necessarily starting in Azteca. I mean, if you go zero points from your first three games, that's horrible. But at the same time, it just means they really have to turn things around. Uh, you know, the June, they pretty much have to run the table at home for, at that point. So, again, the, you know, that's why this game matters it's, and is so important to defend home turf. And, and, and also because Costa Rica is one of those teams that you have to think is the best bet to kind of fight them 
for one of those three spots. You know, nothing against Jamaica. They look, you know, they look tough against Mexico. Nothing against Panama. But for me, I think those are the two, you know, if you were ranking the teams in this group, mm-hmm. I think those are the two lowest seeded teams if you rank them. So Costa Rica is a threat. I mean, they're, they're, they're no easy pushover. They, they, they're come back in Panama. They were down 2-0 in Panama in the first Hex qualifier. They came back and tied it up. Uh, in Panama, that so that shows you. I mean, they, they're a good team, but uh, again, U.S. at home is usually pretty tough. So I, I really think the U.S. is going to rebound. Well, I also want to point something else out about the U.S. team is the forwards right now. Josie Altador scored recently. Terrence Boyd has scored recently. Hercules Gomez has scored recently, and so has Eddie Johnson. I mean, four forwards that have scored recently. You got to love that right now, Ivis. And you know, uh, I think all four. Uh, actually, these... actually, it's five because one Agudelo scored. One? Oh, one. Well, come on. Is, okay, is he really going to get called up? I wouldn't. Hey, I tell you what, I wouldn't rule it out. Really? It's possible, but uh, just the point. What is, about those four? American those four. Wait, 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 wait. Those four are not your forwards. No, they are. But you never know. You never know what Clemson wants to do. I mean, I, right whoa, now, whoa, whoa. Ivis, stop you know, it, Ivis, Ivis. What do you know? No, 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 no. Oh my! It's see, you do that. this. I mean, you do saying. this. No, but you do this all the time. You'll say something like this, and then you act cool, all casually about it, and then it happens. <laughs> no, look, listen, <laughs> I, I don't know anything. I have not heard anything about Agudelo getting called up. I just want to, it's just the fact that, you know, especially when you look at, at the track record, I mean, Juan, Juan Agudelo, you know, he, he is someone with a lot of talent. So the fact that he, he played in Chivas' last game, they won that game, and he looked really good in it, I mean, that, that's a positive sign. And if you're Jurgen Klinsman and you're kind of in panic mode trying to figure out what you want to do with your attack and, and what who works best for you, I mean, Juan Agudelo coming off the bench, I mean, as we saw against Russia, I mean, he can give you something. So, I, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. But, again, I, I like the four of the guys that you mentioned, I mean, including Clint Dempsey, obviously. But when you talk about Josie, Altador, Terrence Boyd, Hercules Gomez, Eddie Johnson, mm-hmm. all those guys scoring, I mean, it's a great sign. Now we just need the midfield to get sorted out. Well, that's the thing I think we're forgetting about Terrence Boyd is if Josie Altador wasn't having the season that he was having, I think we'd all be geeking out on Terrence Boyd right now. Yeah, he, you know what? He gets a little overlooked, obviously, playing in Austria. It's not a league that anyone gets to see uh, here in the U.S. unless you're really sharp with your, you know, finding your feeds online, uh, your stream, your, you know, legal or illegal streams any, online. Any suggestions? But, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't like to uh, spread that kind of stuff. Not that I don't use it. But anyway, Terrence Boyd, I mean, you got it's his first professional season. Yes. People don't realize that. Like, or people lose sight of the fact this is his first really pro season, and he scores double-digit goals. He's doing well, uh, but again, you know what? He still might be behind the rest of the pack. I think Eddie Johnson has, has shown that he should still be part of the mix. But if anyone falls off, Terrence Boyd, I, I feel like could jump right in. He's a great talent. He's someone who I think is going to be a key, uh, key part of the Gold Cup team. But Josie Altador, Hercules Gomez, I mean, for that, I personally want to see those guys together uh, with Clint Dempsey in some kind of formation, whether it's, you know, a 4-4-2, a 4-3-3. I think those are the guys you need to put on the field. I guess another player that's also uh, performing very well, a little bit under the radar, is your boy, Demarcus Beasley. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying the guy should start in the qualifiers, uh, but I tell you what, the guy's having a pretty good season in Mexico he had another good game the, uh, the other night, scoring a goal for Puebla. Uh, they 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 beat they knocked off Pachuca in penalty kicks in the, in Copa Mexico. You know, obviously a big big result there. Uh, you know, they're on into the semis of Copa Mexico. Listen, you know what? It, it, the wing options there's just not a ton of them, and and obviously Beasley he's playing well, he's in form, and he has that experience that I think if you're Jurgen Klinsman, you have to take a look at him, you have to consider him. I mean, think about the options. You know, when you talk about Breck Shea. Right. I mean, I think personally, is, is I think he he's going to be on the team. Is he, wait, he's, 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 he's a shoo-in, right, Breck Shea? He's a shoo-in to make the team. But again, we need to remember, he hasn't been playing 90 minutes. He hasn't been playing. He's been coming off the bench. So you have to ask yourself, how fit is he? Is he 90-minute fit? Probably not. So you have to look at the options of putting a team together that you can start. And, you know... I don't know if Breck Shea is an option when you think about it that way. So then you have someone like Graham Zussi, obviously, is, is a possibility. He's playing well. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of the lone bright spot. Him and CJ Sapong are the only bright spots on Sporting KC right now. But the options are kind of slim when you talk about wide players. And, and I know as much as, as, much as some fans want to want to throw our, our teenage kids on the senior national team and want to call up Danny Cuevas, uh, listen, slow it down. You have a player like Beasley playing well in Mexico, actually playing first team soccer in Mexico and has the experience in qualifying. 
you, you know, I, I think Klinsman could take a look at him. Mm-hmm. I mean, people need to remember Beasley was on the field when the U.S. beat Mexico in Azteca last summer. He replaced Landon Donovan at halftime. And you know what? He he's played those guys. He's played Mexico. He's not going to be uh, overawed when they step on the field in Azteca and it's a hundred thousand Mexican fans screaming. He's been through the. He's been there. He's been. He's played in that venue multiple times. He knows what it's about. That's why I'm not, again. I'm not saying he should start, but I think when you talk about what's what they're facing and what he's been able to do, I could see a case for having him on the team. Well, also a player like Joe Corona, who we had on last week. I think we're gonna maybe see a healthy dose of guys who play in the Mexican league, especially in that Mexico game. Right. I mean, you know, Corona is an interesting one, you know, because he's young, he's talented, he's gaining great experience. Obviously, not just playing with Tijuana in in the Mexican league, but obviously in Libertadores. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's time yet to put him in a starting lineup. I mean, you know, you could do it. It could be a single swim situation. But, you know, I, I still think uh, if anything is interesting that people should look out for mm-hmm. when Jurgen Klinsmann put, puts his team together, I, I think we're finally going to see Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley by themselves in central midfield. Um, you know, it's something that I've talked about before that I think you know they should do and I've written about it and now Klinsman recently in, in a recent podcast actually stated that that's something that he wants to look at and and I think that's a big step uh, the fact that he is that that Klinsman is is considering that because I tell you what you cannot for me I don't think you can have Bradley Jermaine Jones and either Danny Williams or Marisa do together in the midfield because you did it just you just don't have enough of a dynamic element in your midfield when you have those three guys together. But I think if you keep Jones and Bradley together and, and it gives you one more attacking spot for a midfielder, mm-hmm. then you can make room for for someone like, you know, whether it's Graham Zusi, if Breck Shea can get ninety minute fit, or Demarcus Beasley, I think it gives you a little more dynamic quality to your to your team. And I think that's gonna be real interesting to see because for me, I think Jones and Bradley in the middle can get the job done together. Well, I just, they can also contribute to the attack as well, too. I mean, Jermaine Jones had that goal for shock against Galatasaray in the UEFA Champions League. So I mean, we can see both of these guys go up, but I think you're right. I think these guys can man the middle right there, and that could give the U.S. a little more of a of that, of that system that Jurgen wants to play. Right. You know, I think, I think the biggest issue, and I think why Klinsman kind of shied away from it, is because, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley, uh, you know, they both like to get forward. They both like to join the attack, oh, jump really? in. Uh, but and, but then the question is, you know, who stays home? And, and sometimes, you know, could they, you know, can they be disciplined enough to work it out that you have that kind of pulley system where one stays, one goes, one goes, one stays? And I think Klinsman had a lot of concerns about that. And that's why he decided early on to, in his system to camp a guy in front of the back four, whether it's Danny Williams, Kyle Beckerman, Marisa Du. You know, he he kind of wanted that security blanket. And uh, what's interesting is I, I think some people might look at that and say, if you if you ever needed that security blanket, you kind of need it now because you're probably going to have Omar Gonzalez and Jeff Cameron start together. And, they, and, and you know, they struggled against Honduras. But I honestly think that, you know, Jermaine Jones and Brian Bradley, I, you know, people not that people seem to remember the time before Klinsman, but I, I thought they worked pretty well together. Uh, in central midfield uh, under Bob Bradley, when Bob Bradley played Jones and, and Michael Bradley together. Mm-hmm. So I think the tandem can work. And if, if, it, if he does go that route, and then you're, then you're talking about you know, potentially playing a 4-2-3-1, uh, you're giving yourself more, more, more attacking threats, more pure attacking threats, then I, I think that could be what helps turn the attack around and helps guys like Josie Altador get going. Because at the end of the day, they've been struggling because they just haven't gotten enough service enough support from the midfield. And, and I think if, he, if Klinsman goes that route and, and does away with his D-mid security blanket, mm-hmm. I think that could be the key to them starting to score more goals. And Ivis, that first game is going to be March 22nd in Denver at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. And the next game is going to be March 26th at Estadio Azteca. That's right. Two big games. Look and I'm Spanish. looking forward to making the trip out to Denver. It's going to be my first trip to Denver in, in, in I think, I want to say like eight years. And a great city. I've been out there a few times, and I love it. And uh, can't can't wait to meet up and catch up with uh, with uh, my homeboy Marcelo Balboa. And then uh, Mexico City, which is always an intense atmosphere. Great game. I will be down there in Mexico City. 
uh, I, I was there in 05 and I was there in 09. And I can tell you that there are few atmospheres, there are few environments like Azteca for a U.S.-Mexico game. And I would recommend for every U.S. fan, if you can find a way to do it, you want to go down there. Forget all the horror stories. Forget all the talk about how intimidating it is and how dangerous it is. You know what? It is intimidating as can be. And and the Mex- and some Mexican fans can be a little unfriendly, but you know what? It's an experience you want to. If you're a diehard U.S. fan, and you have the resources, you know, because it's not cheap, I, I would recommend it to anybody. And you're not to concerned do it at about le- your to life. do it at least once. And you're also not concerned about your life, Ivis. Well, you know what? I speak Spanish. I'm a big guy, so I'm all right. But no, but you know what? They 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 the security's there. U.S. fans have been there the last last. You know, U.S. fans go every time. And uh, you know, knock on wood, we've never had any any oh, real see, serious I'm, issues. We've had some stuff thrown at them, obviously, beer, batteries, whatever. But you know what? It's it's you want to be there. And you know what? The day is going to come where U.S. the U.S. beats Mexico in Azteca in a in a, in an official match in a qualifier. And you, in a, it, what U.S. fan would not want to be there for that for that experience? Of course, I, we would all want to be there. Right. So you know what? But I'm a ginger. I'd get beat up though. That's that's what would happen. <laughs> Uh, you know what? There's strength in numbers. So I tell you what, if if enough U.S. fans go down there, I think they'll be all right. No, I was I was just goofing around. No one, no one's gonna get beat up down there. But when you talk about important games, there are a, a lot of important games this weekend for MLS. It's the rivalry week. Let's look at the five key games. First one we're gonna take a look at is the New York Red Bulls. They're gonna be home for the first time this season, taking on DC United, and this is gonna be a good game for both of these teams to kind of see what really level they're at. Absolutely, it's it's a matchup that. You know, it, these teams do not like each other. Their fan bases don't like each other. And, you know, as, as much as it, as lopsided a, a rivalry as it's been through the years, D.C. United's dominated the rivalry. It's still very much a rivalry. Uh, and when you talk about the Eastern Conference, I mean, these are two teams that, that have playoff aspirations. They plan. They both want to be back in there. Obviously, D.C. knocked off the Red Bulls in the playoffs last year and, and, and the, big, uh, the big snow debacle uh, last year. Uh, these two, these teams, uh, there's some question marks with these teams. Obviously, DC did well to to score a win against Real Salt Lake last week, but there's question marks about their attack, their ability to score goals. I mean, they have one goal in two games right now. Uh, and uh, and if you're the and you're the Red Bulls, I mean, it's a completely different question. The question is, uh, one, can your defense, uh, you know, hold up leads, and two, can you keep Roy Miller from completely blowing games for you? And uh, you know that. They've scored goals. They, that that hasn't been an issue for them. They, they've got four goals in two games, but defensively, there's obviously a lot of question marks there. Is Roy Miller done as a starter? Uh, it seems like they're keeping him around. It seems like they're not throwing him completely under the bus. But I'm sorry if you're Mike Pecky and Roy Miller's in the starting lineup on Saturday. There's, there's got to be an investigation because the guy, he, he's just too much of a liability. And the Red Bulls have other options. They have other guys, maybe not pure left-footed uh, options at left back. But, you know, at the same time, these aren't guys who, who are going to, you know, look like they've thrown a game because they were so inept, which is what happened last week. Uh, so it's going to be a good matchup. I mean, you, you like D.C. in their defense. Bill Hamid is looking really good to start the season. Him against Terry Henry. Uh, you know, Henri hasn't quite gotten going yet, but, you know, I, I think, you know, he's great at home. He steps it up at home. Uh, so it's going to be a great matchup. Do you think this is going to be good for the New York Red Bulls to be returning home after learning some road lessons early in the season? I, I think so. I mean, they, they're, they're, they've they've traditionally been, a, you know, as obviously I think more, all teams are better at home, but I think especially they, they play, I just feel like they play a better, a better level of soccer, uh, a better brand of soccer when they're at home. Uh, you know, it's a nice, nice, beautiful, big field there. And I think they're going to be able to knock the ball around on D.C. D.C.'s got a tough defense, though. It's not going to be easy. Um, it's going to be a battle, though. I, I think when you talk about the midfields there, Perry Kitchen's looking really good early on. Uh, Dax McCarty is looking great again. So I, I think that's going to be the battle in the middle is going to be the key. And also Chris Pontius, how the Red Bulls deal with Chris Pontius. He's a handful. He's You know, he killed them last year. He's the he's kind of the one guy when he's healthy has torched New York and caused problems. I, you know, Dwayne De Rosario is, is Dwayne De Rosario. He, he's he's always a guy you have to think about. But for the Red Bulls, Chris Pontius has has been a thorn in their sides for quite some time. Well, Ivis, let's move on to the next key game. I think it, you'd be hard pressed to find people outside of these teams who circled March 16th as a day that we all need to pay attention to, and that's Montreal hosting Toronto FC. And I mean, you talk about a huge game for the Canadian teams here. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, there's all sorts of subplots here. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Montreal's undefeated. Toronto's coming off a huge win. Uh, they have they have some really good look uh, looking new players on their team. Uh, Montreal's going to have a you know a packed house at Olympic Stadium. Toronto FC is bringing apparently five thousand fans to Montreal for this game, which is going to set uh, a new record for a way uh, in a way support group in in MLS history. Uh, which I think Toronto FC already holds the distinction, but they're going to blow it away this weekend from what I understand. Uh, so it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, looking forward to see what Montreal does at home on the road. Obviously, to go into Seattle and Portland and get two wins on the road uh, was outstanding. And, you know, you could say what you want about them being defensive and and them playing Catanaccio, super defensive Italian-style soccer. But you know what? I think it's going to be different at home. I think they're going to open things up. I think they're going to attack more at home, and, and it's going to. You want to see how Toronto uh, deals with that. Uh, I think Toronto's defense, as good as it was last week, you give them credit. They were great last week against KC. I don't. I'm not completely sold that they're going to be able to play at that level the rest of the year. Well, who, who's your pick in this game then? Uh, I got to go Montreal. I mean, they're at home, uh, and I just, I just like the way they look as a unit. I think they defend well, very organized, very compact. Patrice Bernier is looking really good for them. Uh, I think he's going to be able to shut things down in the middle uh, for Toronto. So, you know, I, I, I like Montreal in that game. And, and, and by the way, I, I don't know if we made a pick in the first game, but oh, I'm going yes, no. to have to go with the Red Bulls in that, in that first game just because, you know, they're at home. Uh, and, and you know, after two tough road games, I think they're going to be eager to get out there and, and and put a put a beating on the team that knocked them out last year. I think you're right on that one. All right, let's move on to the next key game. These games are always exciting. Portland in Seattle taking on Seattle, and I mean, there's not much to say about this rivalry. It's 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 perhaps the greatest rivalry right now going to MLS. It's the game of the week, man. I, you know, no offense to New York, uh, New York DC or Montreal, Toronto, but listen, Portland, Seattle. Uh, just the the two passionate fan bases. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, Seattle's going to have a little bit of a hangover from their their midweek victory, their triumph over Tigres. I mean, you you have to expect that. I mean, that that such an emotional high of winning that series. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, it's going to be tough to come back down for. It. But you know, if there's a match that could bring it back out of you, it's Portland for 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 Seattle. And what I want to see is. Mm-hmm. Portland ha- ha- has faced two teams, you know, faced, la- you know, they lost to Montreal. Uh, they-, they-, they want to attack. Port- under Caleb Porter, the Timbers want to attack. They want to go after people. I want to see them on the road against Seattle and see what they do. And I tell you what, I bet they still attack. And Seattle, we already know Seattle loves to attack. So I think we're going to see a really wide open, exciting game. I think we're going to see plenty of goals. I don't think it's going to be a 1-0 and hopefully I'm not jinxing it. I've been known to do that. I think we'll see four or five goals total back and forth fashion. It's going to be a great game and a great atmosphere. Well, do you think Seattle can keep up that level in this game or do you think that the the emotional high is going to be so much that this might be a game that Portland can steal very easily? Oh, I think it I think the Timbers can absolutely steal it because not only because of the letdown factor, but the fatigue factor. I mean, Seattle played a really tough game at midweek. You know, they really had to put a lot of effort into that comeback, a lot of effort into that win over T-Risk. They started all their top guys, and Portland didn't play a midweek game. So Portland's going to come in rested. They're going to come in a little angry, you know, after losing losing uh, that Montreal game, tying the Red Bulls the way they did. Uh, you know, they, they're feeling like they're they feel a little hard done by after two straight games of penalty calls that they didn't go their way. I wrote about it today on SBI. The fact that you know they, the the Timbers haven't had a penalty call awarded to them since 2011. I mean, it, it, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. But I tell you what, I I just think it's going to be a really exciting game because I think I know Caleb Porter uh, understands the importance of this game, and, and I think he's going to want to send a message. He's going to attack. He's going to go after Seattle. Uh, and Seattle, you know what? For as strong as their attack is, their defense is. There's still some question marks about their defense and their their back four's ability well, I, to stop. I just, they have DeAndre Yedlin, future U.S. Men's National Team player. Again, he, he's <laughs> as we said early in the show, he's got two games as a pro. Uh, he's a much better attacking player than he is a defender. Um, but there's still question marks. You know, they're, they're, you know whether it's Leo Gonzalez at left back, Jimmy Triori is as amazing as that goal was. I think the jury's still out on him as a center back. John Kennedy Hurtado has seen better days. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how those guys with those tired legs are going to deal with guys like Diego Valeri, Darlington Nagby, and Ryan Johnson, who I think they're, I think it's going to be a great game. I think for me, if, if you're a casual fan, 
and yes. you want to, and you can only watch one game this weekend. I think that's the game you got to watch because aside from the the show in the stand, but this, you know, the Sounders are going to have their, their fans are going to have a, a crazy tifo. Uh, it's going to be a packed house at Central League Field. Aside from the show off the field, on the field, it's going to be attacking soccer both ways. And I, and I just don't see how there aren't going to be a lot of goals scored. So I'm assuming you're going to continue your you know kissy love affest with Portland and choose them, right? You know, if not for the midweek game, I would have gone Seattle. But I just, it's tough. It's a tough call because, hey, the Sounders are my pick to win it all. I picked them to win MLS Cup. so They're allowed to lose. It, right. So it's tough to see them going 0-2. But I think the letdown happens. I think the letdown happens, and I think the Timbers, with their attack, and if Mike, if Mikhail Sylvester doesn't have a, another shocker, I think they, I think they pull the upset. I mean, it could be a tie. I should just go tie. I should just say, you know what, three Stop. three tie. Stop it. I should, I should say three three tie, but I won't. I'll, I'll pick. I'll pick the Timbers just because they have the fresh legs. Seattle's a, a, a tie from that Wednesday game. I'll say, uh, I'll say three two Portland. Nice. I'm glad you chose a game in that. All right, next game we're going to move on to is Houston in Dallas. And I'll leave you with this, Ivis. Did you watch the Stephen Keel and George Young infomercial the other day? I did. And I tell you what, Stephen <laughs> Keel is oh a natural. God. You know what? When his career is over as a soccer <laughs> player, he absolutely should be the new infomercial guy. He should go on the Home Shopping Network because he, you know what? He was loving it. I wanted to buy it, whatever. I wanted to buy it. I didn't even know what it was selling, but he just, it just I wanted to buy it. Now, you know what? I'll tell you what, George John, <laughs> he should probably stick to being a soccer player. He should stick to being a defender. Oh, uh, look at you. I don't know if he was out. being ironic oh and he was just being a, 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 a bad actor on purpose, but I'll tell you what, Stephen Keel, he made Stephen Keel look like, uh, you know, Daniel Day Lewis in that commercial. I can only imagine the uh, George John uh, supporters are killing you on the comment section right now. Oh, the one guy? Yes, listen. Boosted 365. I'm sure you're listening. George John cannot act. I, you have to agree with that one, buddy. I know you, you. I know anytime anyone says anything bad about George John, you come out come out of the woodwork. But even you must agree, George John cannot act. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get back to the show. When you look at this game, though, Houston coming off a very emotional loss in Santos Laguna. Dallas, you know, still trying to find who they are early here in the season. Houston, though, I mean, they're Houston Dynamo. They're going to be a good team. What should we expect in this game? It's just a little, a little similar situation. You know, the Dynamo. You know, they put a lot into that second leg against Santos Laguna. They're going to be fatigued, they're, and they're going to go up against a Dallas team that, uh, you know, they, they. I don't know. The da- You know, I said it before the season, mm-hmm. and I said it in the last show. I'm just not sold on them. They have the parts. They have some pretty impressive players on that team. David Ferreira, one of the best players in the league. There's some question marks there. I'll tell you what, that defense, as good as it's supposed to be, as good as it should be, looked pretty bad last week against Chivas USA. And, you know, if, I, I think as much as Portland-Seattle is going to be a great game, attacking game, a lot of goals, I think this Houston-Dallas game is going to be ugly. I think we're going to see a 1-0 game, 0-0 game, um, and, and it's just going to be a, it's gonna be a, a bruising bruising battle. I, I, think, uh, I think Houston's going to be a little tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Dallas is going to be able to take advantage of that, but I, I think it's a tough one, man. I want to say tie. I, I want to say tie. I think I think Houston squeezes out a tie. If they weren't fatigued, if they didn't have that letdown of that a Wednesday tie. game, that Champions League loss, I would pick Houston. I'm just going to say it's going to be a tie. No, you need to pick a team. There's no ties in here. All right, fine. I'll. You know what? If I have to pick a winner, what's the line from the Sandlot? Ties like kissing your sister. We're not kissing our sisters. It, in but here, they right? still happen. That's the whole point. Oh, ties geez. still happen. But I'll tell you what, if you want me to pick a winner, I'm yes. going to pick Houston just because I still think Dallas. I think Houston, tired or not, I think their central midfield, I think their midfield is going to win that battle. I think Ricardo Clark, Adam Moffitt uh, is going to shut things down in the middle. I think Bonnie Garcia is going to have, is going to have a field day. Uh, and as, as long as they can contain Ferreira, W. Ferreira, I think they should be able to win that game. In the uh, last key game that we're going to talk about, L.A. taking on Chivas USA. I mean, this is a uh, this is a this is this is a, I think this is actually really a very 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 big game. It might, it might not come off as it, but it, for these teams, it's going to be huge. Well, for the and for the fans in the city. Well, honestly, I think it's a bigger game for Chivas than it is for the Galaxy. I mean, obviously, if you're the Galaxy, you don't want to drop points to your to your uh, your neighbor, your you know the guy you share the the stadium with. But you know, they just they just took care of business in Champions League. They got the three points in the opener. It's they crushed Chicago. Um, I think they could be in for a little bit of a letdown. You know, I think Chivas, 
uh, I think Chivas gained some confidence after that FC Dallas win. I think you know uh, there's a little going to be a little more belief in that locker room mm-hmm. that that they can get things done and and that they can score goals and they can attack. I think this is going to be a good game to watch, and it's going to be probably a better game to watch in this series than we've seen in quite some time because obviously the Galaxy have dominated it, and uh, Chivas has been a bit of a mess the last few years. But I think Chivas. You know, I think I think they 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 got they have a pretty good attack now. Yeah, you know? I I still don't think they win. I still think the Galaxy are too good. As much as fatigue could be a question mark, you know, they played the the midweek game against Herediano. They beat them, but I just I don't know. I I think for me, it comes down to the Galaxy's defense is so much better than Chivas USA's defense that it, I just think the Galaxy will find goals. And I think Chivas, as much as they'll probably play attractive soccer, they'll knock the ball around. They'll really try to go at the Galaxy. I just don't think they're going to – I just don't see them having quite enough to trouble the Galaxy. Unless Bruce Arena start, decides to rest some people. Uh, but it's too early in the season. I think I think those guys should be fresh. Uh, I think the Galaxy should be fine. I think they're going to – I'd see – I'd say 3-1 LA. I think that's – I think I could see that. Well, you can imagine also if Chivas USA – let's say Chivas USA does get this upset, though. The confidence is going to be just overflowing coming out of that club if they can get this. And that's something that they could ride for a while. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how that's going to affect the turnstiles and or the or the ticket booth, but as far as in the locker room and on that team, if they win that game, then you're then then you're talking. Then you have some serious uh, confidence going in into the rest of the season. And then if you're if you're if you're Chelis, if you're their head coach, I think you start uh, you know talking to the owners about getting you getting you a little more help, a little some some reinforcements to really go after it. Um, you know, I still think some players are on the way. I know they've added a bunch of players late in the, in, in the preseason, and even now they've still they've even still added some players. Although they they had a defender, Walter Vilches, is injured apparently, so that's going to hurt their defense. But I tell you what, they're a fun team to watch. They're more fun than they've been to watch in a long time. Yes. So I mean, I think from that standpoint, as much as people want to complain about the whole Latin American thing and the fact that they've completely turned their team into ninety ninety five percent. Latin players, um, they're a better team to watch now than they were before, and that's a positive. Well, Ivis, those are the five key games that we got right there. As we wrap up the show here, Ivis, I think we talked almost everything there is American soccer. Did we miss anything? Uh, we didn't talk about the ladies, and I know we haven't talked oh. about the women that much, but uh, you know what? They won the Algarve Cup, yes. and that's a big one for them, and, and I think the uh, you know, Alex Morgan is is doing her thing again, and she's you know best player in the world at this point. I'd say, well, her and Abby Wambach, you know, you can make that argument. Um, but ha- losing Carly Lloyd to an injury, uh, you know, she's going to miss a part of the uh, uh, of the league season now. Uh, that that's a dis- bit disappointing, especially you know coming uh, coming off the Hope Solo news that, that Solo is also going to have to have surgery. But I tell you what, it, it's a positive step under a new coach. They're, they're seeing some new players come in now and and make names for themselves, and and you know. I think U.S. fans, U.S. soccer fans in general, uh, it seems like the the interest dies down a bit. You know, when you're not when there's no World Cup and there's no Olympics, but I think this year's gonna this year could be a little different. You know, you have the new professional league starting up, and uh, and and you're gonna and there's some exciting young players coming up. So I, I think you know women's soccer, uh, we're gonna try to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, but uh, you know what? When you have to pay fifteen dollars pay per view to watch them play, that's not ideal. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll get to see them back on regular TV soon. Yes, that'd be nice. What do you have to say about the women? Uh, remember when I remember when I asked you for a job begging you a couple months ago, and you you uh, you let me write the women's, and look at me now. I am now the co-host of perhaps the best podcast ever. <laughs> That's right. What a stepping stone! And I tell you what, anyone listening, if you want to write about women's soccer and you want to and want to write about the women's national team, we are looking for a writer. Since our former writer has moved on to bigger and better things, really, you think this uh, is bigger and better? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I tell you what, whoever wants the job can take it because you're going to be better than the last guy. <laughs> Details. Ivis, that wraps up the show today. I want to thank Jose Villarreal for joining us today. And Ivis, enjoy the soccer weekend. You too, my man. It's rivalry week. I will be yep. at Red Bull Arena to catch DC and uh, the Red Bulls. And I'm and at this point, I may I may jump in the car, head down I-95, and try to catch New England Philly. Uh, I haven't committed yet because my son has a wrestling tournament 9 a.m. Sunday morning. But I want to go down and see those guys. I want to see Andrew Farrell, Amobio Kugo, and those guys. That's, that should be a good game, too. And I tell you what, we're only a week away from World Cup qualifying. And, at, and the show's next week. 
I tell you what, I think we're going to have some pretty good shows, especially a week from today. I'll be in Denver, and, and, and hopefully we'll be able to get some pretty good guests for you for that show. I, was, I think you need to take your kid to his wrestling match. I, oh, hey, that's not an option. That's, that's, that's happening. The only question is, do I not go to Philly, or do I go to Philly and uh, pull an all-nighter and, and drive home from, from Philly uh, in the middle of the night Why? to get home? And I've done it before. Why do you, you have know, to get home? What's that? Why do you have to be home? Well, you'll have to get home in the, for the morning because, you know, you, you, it's better driving Why, late at night have, than it do is Do you have early. to go to, like, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond or, like, a big day ahead of you? Sunday? No, I told you, my, my, my son has a wrestling tournament, the last wrestling tournament <laughs> of the year. Yeah, that's so, from old school. What's that? It's from old school when the guys are making fun of Will Ferrell for being married <laughs> and having to run errands in the morning. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's, that is a classic movie, but I hadn't seen it in a while. All right, Ivis, we're, we're losing everyone here. Let that wraps up the show. Ivis, have a great weekend. Talk to you next week, man. Thanks, man. Talk to you then. All right, dude. See you, man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the SBI Podcast.